Hello everyone and welcome to another horror review. I'm joined once again by Dale as we continue our journey along the filmography of Sir Peter Jackson. Today we're discussing The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. While Frodo and Sam made closer to Mordor with the help of the shifty Gollum, the divided fellowship makes a stand against Sauron's new ally, Soromon, and his hordes of Isengard. Released in 2002, the movie was made in a budget of 94 million and brought in 947.9 million at the box office. And still continues to bring in money. And still continues to be watched by people like us. Absolutely. Welcome back, Dale. Great to have you. Hello, thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm glad we're uh, doing this one. Because this, this is my, I was just saying there before we went live, this is my favourite of the trilogy. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. Like, this is a horror movie. Right. Yes, I, it is a total horror movie. Yep. Another thing is, um, like the budget ninety four million. That's considering what we're seeing. This, it's minuscule. <laughs> it's it a is. tiny budget. It really is, isn't it? I mean, they put a lot of work into this one. Yeah. Hi, as oh, there's Chris one. Uh, hi guys, I'm super excited about this one. Absolute favorite movies of all time. Yeah, and once again, they made them for a fraction of the cost of. Absolute crap that's out today that looks cheap. Oh, yeah. At hundreds of millions. Like, some of the budgets of these movies are hitting near half a billion. Yeah, they're insane. It's insane, isn't it? The and, amount of money they put into a movie. And then you get something so fantastic like this, and it's three hours long. And then you get the extended version that's like four hours long, you know, on such a small budget. It's insane. It really uh, is. And you don't get bored. No, no, no. You want more. <laughs> there's a whole... Uh, there's a whole, um, like, three sections of this movie and each bit's just as gripping and you're like... <sighs> and even if you've read the book before this, you're still, like, engaged, going, yeah, yeah, uh, what? Uh, you, you're not too sure how it's going to go, even though you do. It's, that's storytelling. That is... Um, yeah, you're magnificent. Absolutely. Yeah, Not how, being anything. <laughs> how do people get it so wrong though today? What is going wrong with modern filmmaking that they just can't tell a story anymore? I don't know. It really just I I really don't know. They just they just aren't doing art anymore, you know? They're just not creating anything different. It's all sort of they're kind of maybe comparing themselves or in, in competition with other movies and I don't know the whole horror genre has gone a bit ape shirt at the moment um I've, there's nothing out there I'm not no. excited um no. like I've if you've probably noticed in the channel like in my normal movie reviews I've kind of dialed back a bit because there's nothing out there that's making me go I gotta see that no nothing there's nothing it's ridiculous I don't know what's going on, but, you know, these little gems, they're important, but, you know, they're old as well. I mean, they're not dated, of course not. But no, but it's a, this old. is a 25-year-old 20, uh, movie, and it's still bloody <laughs> stunning. Exactly. And even, even watching it in 4K, um, the only thing that looks bad is Gollum. You know, it looks a wee bit, a wee bit dated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When yep, they've yep. upgraded the graphics, he looks a wee bit digital. Yeah, 
but yeah, that's like um I've had this conversation before. Like when you when you do the 4K restoration of anything, um, they did it with the Argento stuff, um, Suspiria, the original one. When they've upgraded that, they forgot that the graininess was actually part of the effect. Exactly. So when you get Gollum in full color palette, he looks digital, but still because of the way they filmed him, it still it's works. Still, exactly. It still works. Because right? it was yeah. Andy Circus acting with the characters. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't like he was just, you know, no way today they just stand in front of a green screen and that's it. Yeah. Exactly. And it looks so wooden and horrendous. Yeah. Or it's total CGI, you know. Yeah. Uh, Gollum wasn't. So no. no. So, oh, well, they were effects, obviously, but it was a real person behind the whole thing. So, yeah, oh, I'd got to love Gollum. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, um, I don't think they've even, you know, a uh, like with Lord of the Rings, the two armies crashed together. That has been replicated and done to death, yeah, and everything. But I don't think they've managed to get Gollum again. Anything they've not managed to replicate that because. No. It required work. Yes, that people can't pull off. So, because uh, I binge, you know what I mean, uh, binging the special features needs is as much of an event as a movie. This is a full, if you're watching one of these movies properly, it's a full day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're watching instead of, you're watching four hours of that, and then um, come back the next day and you're doing four hours worth of the special features and the interviews and the, the effects, like, Yes. The facts of this is another story in its own. Like that's a that's a tale. You, this should just should just put that out in the cinema. Put the making of the Lord of the Rings and just put all the interviews with the facts team. I'd go and watch it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Who wouldn't? You know, it's fantastic. I mean, I I've watched some of the some of the makings of these, and um, they're so impressive. Eh, just what they do is just out of this world um you know where the workshops is just wow incredible there's there's no one like it really so you know the special effects are just oh and the props the physical props as well out of this world mm, pulled it off brilliantly and once again you know you've watched a movie um too many times when you've memorized the dialogue but um, <laughs> yesterday saying it over oh, like... oh, I mean, you're, when you're doing it in the same tone of voice but like looks like meat's back in the menu boys <laughs> no Gandalf <laughs> oh it's um, great if you know that um, that movie I Am Legend where Will yes. Smith's doing the Shrek scene <laughs> That's basically me with this. Uh, oh, bad. Oh, dear. But that's the way, you know, I mean, um, that's fandom, though. That's when you somebody has created something that actually inspires you. Yeah. Yeah. And it resonates emotionally. That's what art's meant to do, for good or ill. And Absolutely. To, today, it's just a happy meal. You know, it's just a generic food chain plastic toy in the box nobody yeah. gives it to us you know there's uh, about that much emotion now in modern movies yeah hit and miss eh? i never thought i'd become one of those people but 
I'm starting to become that. Oh, the old movie's the best, and you're like, but I I don't think I'm like that because I've looked at like movies from the fifties, sixties, seventies, and I've st- I can appreciate those that were before my time. Yep, Boys Movies, Baby, and, and Eve, yeah, yeah, and even in the adulthood, I've always embraced new movies, but it just seems to be this point is from what twenty. 15 onwards mm. everything's just f- fell off a cliff yeah yeah true uh, there have been a few franchises that have come out <clears throat> over the years but um oh i don't know i don't know there's just yeah there's too much garbage out there frankly yeah, yeah and um, i mean you know you spend what 50 bucks going to the movie theater and then you have to buy your popcorn and your drinks and your ice cream and all that 70 dollars later for a film that just is absolute crap mm-hmm. you know what a waste what a waste of money what a waste of, uh, waste of energy waste of time i have to psych myself up to go to cinema mm. and usually yeah. it's doing a review if it wasn't for doing a review on the channel I wouldn't, wouldn't bother. Go. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. There's been enough, um, very few movies out there are actually excited to be. Although I'm looking forward to that uh, Godzilla Minus One. Uh, I think it drops next oh, week over okay. here in the UK. Yeah. And that's already yeah. smashed. I was only made for 11 million. Wow, what? Oh only made God. for 11 million. Sheesh. And they've already made their money back and they're smashing it and other movies are like Oh, yeah. astronomical so i want to go and watch that 11 million dollar movie because i want to see because i'm already saying it, it's toho studios you know the original japanese studio wow and i can see a bit of you know i can see a bit of the love of like what jackson's done yeah you know actually actually loving the franchise so that's one I'm, i want to go and check out but that's it that's that's the only movie this year i've been like i want to go see that Jeez. Everything else oh. has just been a chore. Yeah. Oh, no, that's great. Cool. Looking forward to that review <laughs> when you get that done. <laughs> uh, what's Chris say here? Uh, they save so much money by film three movies at once with one director and unified vision. Yeah. Uh, gave a blueprint that Avatar's following, but Marvel and Star Wars failed. It. Yeah, they, they just became the... Marvel started off good. Yes, it did. It, it started did off really good. Did. It actually... That's what brought people in, and then it just... I, do you know what put me off of Marvel? It was actually the Iron Man suit where I saw the, the grading and quality. Yeah. Iron Man was like the linchpin of that whole thing. If you look at the start, it looked, even though it was CGI, it was a built suit. Yeah. And the next one, it was another built suit. It was another model. Yeah. Even the third movie, which was awful, but it was still the idea of he was building the suits. But yeah. then it went into CGI. When he next appeared, it was just CGI magic, magic armor, you know. And then that's when it just yeah. lost, and that's when the whole franchise did, you know, because they were able to make it realistic. They were able to ground it. Yeah. The first one, like an engineering problem, like the icon problem in the first one. How did you solve the icing problem? You know, it was an it was a realistic thing that could happen. So grounded the fantastical in reality, which I've talked about ad nauseum. But once it became stupid, click a button CGI thing, and the helmets flipping on and off because the actors have to have so much screen time. 
in case people forgot what they looked like. Just pathetic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I gave up on them. I really did. There were too many coming out at once. I just I just couldn't keep up. But even before yeah. it became cool, you know where it's a yeah. cool thing that they're showing it now? I had already given up before because they were just bad movies. Yeah. Never mind anything else. And that's the crux of it. I can... You can tell whatever message you want. You can, you know, you can have a thought, uh, a view on things. You can put that view across. You can present it. If you do it in a good movie, people getting bored and be sympathetic. When you tell bad stories and it looks bad and it looks cheap and nasty and it looks like you don't care, then why should I care beyond yeah. that of anything you have to say? Yeah, why should you invest in it if, if, if they can't even invest in it themselves? Yeah. yeah. Sad. You want to see how good this movie looks? Pick a few movies that come out in the same year. Let's see how you, um, yeah. That's a good, yeah. Because, um, yeah, 2000 uh, wasn't a great time. Yeah, there's a lot of daft movies, but that's even the budget for this wasn't horrendous. Like, there were still 120, 200 million dollar movies being made, blockbusters that looked awful, but. Mm. We, as we have been through this whole journey, this is Jackson's style. This is Jackson's attention to detail. Yep. Where he We're can he can create the fantastical out of a shoestring budget. So of course, if you've given him one, like a, a normal studio budget and the equipment, of course he's going to do amazing things. Yeah. Absolutely. What was it he said? Right. So, uh, with the workshops, whenever they're making the armor, um, there was a rule that they weren't allowed to weld. They weren't allowed to have welders. They weren't allowed to have welders. They weren't allowed to weld the armor. All oh, right, during those scenes. No, no, no. When they made the, they made all the, you know, so when they're actually making the armor. Oh my god! They weren't allowed to use a welder. They had to do it by hand. So the whole point was, when they're making the joints, it had to be hammered and done in the place by hand so it would have the look because what um it wasn't it might have come from jackson but it was the head of what the workshops actually said if you use a welder then you're going to fall into the traps and everything's going to look same and polished and this where they'd pick the style for like the orcs had a particular style like bronze age you know yep yep so yep. that was the style they used of uh metal work like bronze age metal work if they had to use the welder, then the orcs would look the same as the Gondorians, as the, you know, yeah, as the Rohirrim. That's the problem. So if they had been using modern tools. Yeah, it would have looked unrealistic. Everything would have looked the same. At that time. Yep. Yep. Wow. Wow. So each, each set of armor for each of the races, the, the picked, uh, the actually researched a welding style, a, a metal lurgy style. For that period. Now they used sanders and stuff, you know, for finishing off, but the actual creation what well, had to be done by hand and it had to be used in that particular style. Oh so I think wow. like the elves are using like almost like the Japanese style, you know, to yeah. give that sleekness. Um I think the Rohirrim were close to the Vikings, so they were using you no know, the they actually researched into their how they made their weapons. The orcs were bronze age. I can't remember did it, you know, I think it was European West, you know, Western style for the Gondorians. Wow. So they actually researched each metallurgy technique. That's incredible. Who thinks that? Peter Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it, right? 
that's incredible. Wow, that's attention to detail, Max. Totally. And and all the different armor, I suppose, because the elves had different armor and then yeah. The so that's what I mean. That so everybody used like almost samurai, yeah. you know, Japanese style, because it made sense. So the that's you know, I mean, each one had a an empire. I don't have the exact. Yeah. But that's what they did. The research different. You know, how did different cultures make this? What do we want to mimic? Okay, that's a technique you're using. No, no welders. It's mind blowing. Wow, that's really intriguing information. I, did, I didn't know that. That's awesome. God, <laughs> Peter Jackson's amazing, isn't yeah. he? And what was it, Fabian yeah. Morrison doing his interview? Um, he gave a tally that he killed every stunt person at least fifty times. Because <laughs> obviously, the same, you know, it was the same group of stunt people, and they swapped. So yeah. it might have been a orc one minute. No, you know, I mean, they, they swapped and the the played. Uh, yeah, that's a genius. And he worked they, the, uh, they started losing good, but he got like, I've killed each stunt person 50 times. That's brilliant. Uh, oh. And then they had to give up kite. And it was like, uh, that's um, because <laughs> we were just saying how, you know, particularly this one, this is the darkest of the three. This was, this is the classic is. middle act. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to say. This is a straight-up horror movie, like just in a fantasy setting, but it's a horror movie. There's no it's horror and gore. Yeah, horror and gore to the absolute max. Yep. He's managed to, you know, it, it is fantasy-based movie, but um, oh, the horror scenes are, you know, I remember the first time when I watched it, it was just like, this, is, this isn't fantasy. This is full-on horror, mm -hmm. you know. So it's brilliant. It's brilliant gore and... I don't the know, I just... bit that got me was the, when I first saw the Dead Marshes. Oh, wow. On the, in the yeah. cinema the first time, I'm like, oh, this is not your typical fluffy fantasy movie. No. No, not with the dead people in the water and then the, the, the ghosts and the, oh, God, blimey, I remember. Yeah, far out. It still gives me the chills seeing that scene, you know, when Frodo just whew, straight into the water. Mm. It's just like, oh, my God, what happened? And that's yeah. like, we know he survives to the end. If you've, you know, I mean, anyone that's familiar with no, he makes it to the end. But even at that moment, you're like, oh no, he's not going to make it. And you're like, catch yeah. yourself up. That's when you're captivated because you're like, no, I know he's going to make it. But then, like, in that moment, you're you're with him and you're like, bloody hell. That's, yeah. that's when you're experiencing the movie, you know. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Wow. Far out. Do you think it took a horror director to, oh, to no do one this else justice? Mm, no one else could have done it unless it wouldn't it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have had the horror scenes in it at all it would have just been a run-of-the-mill harry potter i don't know you know uh i was still no i mean because that was geared for because this is technically this is a children's book that's the thing the hobbit and lord of rings are children's books you know the young adult books yep but that doesn't pull any punches no right yeah I mean, there's no punches pulled about you know uh the violence and the the graphic detail the evil of mortar because there's you know i mean that threat you know this is not a good place yeah yeah or um you see their journey i mean oh my goodness just the amount that the horror sequences in there are the imagery is just 
it's just amazing. I don't really don't know if anyone else could have pulled that off um, because it's it's the the horror is um, sort of cancelled out or it's it's lightened with the with Peter Jackson's humour. See, that's what that's what made the it's it's ghastly, it's horrific, but his light touches, um, oh, his humour is just fabulous, isn't it? It just comes through, and it's and it's needed at those really dark. You get those really dark moments, and you get the light moments, and it's just it works, you know. And I don't even know if a full-on horror director could have done it any justice either because we needed the horror and we needed the light mm -hmm. and that's what peter jackson does that's what it's he the moments of levity yeah. that bring you back down and yeah. it helps you cope with you can show yeah. something graphic but then like um classic looks like meets back in the menu boys and that's our <laughs> first beheading of the movie <laughs> the signature beheading <laughs> um, but that's they're just eating their own you know just pure cannibalism and raw not even cooking them just straight ahead you know um that's a horrific scene but it's the the comedy and the you know thrown in there as well just it makes it palatable it does right it does it gives your brain time to process that that horrific image but then it's it is it's cancelled out again with the light touches so it's brilliant yeah he's just a master at that isn't he mm -hmm. I mean, there's James Wan or Wan, whatever, however you pronounce him. He's he's brilliant too, but you know he doesn't have the. He's very he safe. Yeah, he's safe. That's it. He's very very safe. Peter Jackson's not. No, <laughs> and it works because <laughs> he's being himself. Yeah, because we've like I said, we've been there from the start now with this uh, series, <laughs> and we know what he's like unleashed. <laughs> Unleashed, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That death, uh, the 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 marshes scene, scene actually reminded me a little bit of Frighteners, um, with the ghosts coming up in the water and mm. things like that. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, that a dreadful scene, but it was um, it was done really well. But yeah. you needed that. That's the thing. Even other fantasy movies up to this point. Or anything was bad. It's always goes over. Um, somebody tried to convince me Willow was a good movie. Willow. Yeah. And they tried. To, uh, they actually talked me into watching it again, and I'll never forgive them for that because it's like um, talking to you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's really dark. Do you not remember the at the beginning? Babies were being killed. It's like nothing. It was hinted at. It was glossed over, and then it just descended into farce. You know what I mean? There's no darkness whatsoever. It was hinted up, but it was glossed over, you know, this fluffed yeah, up right. and internet. Because yeah. they're af they're afraid to deal that side of things. Um yep. the only like fantasy movie that ever went there was never ending story. Brilliant. Brilliant movie. That's the only one that actually went to dark places. It did, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and weren't didn't shy away from uh yeah. the, the dreadfulness. And Even though it was a children's story, yeah, it was, you know? but, but yeah. this whole thing—I don't know where this came from—but children are not fragile. They're not fragile little porcelain dolls that break. In fact, the whole point of this is preparation for life. This is, um, you know, like a martial artist when they're breaking boards. 
Yep. They don't break mm-hmm. the board immediately. You know, they're they're punching and the you develop the micro fractures. So then yeah. the micro fractures heal. The, you know, I mean the science behind it is you know, as you do it, you toughen up. Yeah. So when it comes to it, you're ready. Um yep. it's the same with these movies. You, you show grief, you show loss, you show danger. So in a palatable way that the brain processes. So if you encounter real danger, you're that little bit more prepared for it. Primed for it, yeah. But somewhere along the line, it all got lost. Yeah. And everything yeah. is so safe. Even horror, you know, like, if you remember, I was trying to watch more recent horror movies. Yep. And give them a chance. And I just could you know, I mean, they're just so bland. They're so safe. They're so sanitized. Yeah, right. And um, it's just, there's nothing there. Like, it's it's a, it's a chore to watch them. Yeah, aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, a few indie movies I've been watching lately, and I'm wishing that they will turn into something amazing. They don't. No, because they're um they're afraid. They're just fear as well of you know enraging the mob. So everyone's mm-hmm. saying the buzzwords, whatever's current at the moment. You know, by the time of film, because the, the the words have changed by the time it comes out. So they yep. probably annoyed somebody anyway, but they're they're all playing it safe because they just want to get. It's like the author wanting to be picked up by the publishing house. Yes. So they're an indie, but they're playing it safe and they're preaching all the 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 correct words, and you read their material and a lot of it's just bland. Yeah. And you just can't get excited for it, you know. Um, that's what I've found anyway, you know, apart from a few exceptions. Most yeah, user, most yeah. users I talk to in here, so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know, sort of been massive filter of a YouTube channel and try and find people that get it, you know, um, where I'm coming from. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is somebody who is not afraid, like the, the studio could have kowtowed him so easily. Oh, absolutely, right, and I think. I think we've mentioned this before, but Frighteners, I think that was his uh, wake-up call to what the studios yep. are like. Yep, and absolutely. If you let them run over you, you'll you'll just destroy, you know what I mean, it'll do more harm than good. It might might be easy in the short term, but 25 years plus later, we're still talking about this bloody movie. Yep. And yep. still Probably watching. Probably 25 years from now, yeah. you know, at least someone decides to do a rehash tr- the, thankfully the rights <laughs> thankfully the rights are not tied up yeah and i yeah. think um christopher tolgan's son's gonna have an accident yeah <laughs> little dipshit i think he's gonna fall down some stairs <laughs> oh god two or three times it's it's when the police are trying to uh Justify why the body ended up going back up the stairs to fall down the second time, the third time, <laughs> you know, to justify as an accident. Oh, sorry, what's that? Somebody knocked on my door. Oops, did I say something live? <laughs> Maybe somebody reversed over him a couple of times yeah. in the driveway accidentally. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a dipshit. Yeah. No, he's. Uh, we've seen what hap- We've seen what happens, uh, and I will not. It's the language of Amazon. I will not utter its name. Yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> we've seen the the abominations that can happen if it's allowed. But the thing is, um, I think we'll talk about it. Warner Brothers did not release this for the 25th anniversary. They didn't put this out in cinemas again, and there's instant moneymaker. Ah, that... <sighs> no, idiots. right? Idiots. Absolute idiots. Especially seen now with everything going to ratchet. They should be looking at anniversaries and going, okay, what can we put out to cinemas to keep the cinema doors open and get a bit of goodwill back with fans? You know how many, so many people would have gone and watched, all sat there and watched 12 hours worth of it at the cinema. I know people who have done that. With yeah, well, they just had the release the extent, just release the extended edition each year that they exactly. come out. And guaranteed every December, I'll be there, you know, popcorn. Yep. Yep. Not a problem. Absolutely. And, and come out feeling day. good again about going to the cinema. Yeah, exactly right. Oh, God. They missed the mark. Maybe they'll do it for the 30th year anniversary. I don't well, know. Hopefully they'll get their acts together and some more people fall down some stairs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, just, I've, just a, I've just a feeling that that's what a lot of people need to fall down stairs over the next couple of years for the world to go right again. <laughs> In the entertainment world. Yes, you're right. <laughs> Not that I would do anything, just saying it would be nice if it happened, or I wouldn't shed any tears. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. It was, oh my God, did he say that out loud? <laughs> Who cares? I, <laughs> I give up Kearney's go, um, because... We're not, we're not highly sensitive people. I so. um, I put this on again, I felt something. That's I think that's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not desensitized to horror. I'm not desensitized to movies. I still feel things because when I put this on, I still get excited, even though I've watched this freaking hundred times. I'm still excited the hundred and first time. Absolutely. Absolutely. <sighs> it's it's just like watching it all over again twenty years ago, you know. Yeah. It's just brilliant. Just gives you all these really lovely feelings and I don't know, ups and downs and all over the place. It's great. It's a very emotive movie. Mm -hmm. There is a sense of desperation through this movie. Like, this is the middle act, and like, you're not, this isn't a happy journey. No, it's not. It's a dreadful journey. It's mm. awful, but it's still amazing journey to be part of. But that's, like I said, not everything has to be fluffy for you to get a positive reaction. This is, you have to, the evil's coming. How can you know? How can so small a group and such a a halfling and out you know a, a hobbit? How can that make a possible difference in the world? How can you carry the weight and even an inanimate object around your neck is actually tearing your soul apart? Yes. You know how do you how do you battle against that? And it's simply put one foot in front of the other. Yeah, yeah. The um. I think it was brilliantly done the second the second bit, you know, um, because you had the first the first story was it had a lot of light moments and it was getting a little bit dark. But then, you know, Peter Jackson, as brilliant as he is, you know, he did turn this one into the like you said the middle act, and it's just dreadful, you know. The whole um, I think he did it great that he split them all up. Mm -hmm. at the end of the last movie um, so that we come back to 
all these different side stories going on with all the characters. You know, you've got um, Frodo and Sam, you know, going through where they're, they're trying to get to Mordor, but they, they're getting guided by an unpredictable golem. You know, who the hell's going to trust golem? But, you know, you actually start... Well, Sam doesn't the, at all, you know. No, Sam doesn't at all. He, he, he's got it right on, you know, he's got it right on point. Um, they did that very brilliantly as well. But um, you're starting to see that um, uh, Frodo's actually starting to look a little bit like Gollum. I don't, I don't know if you noticed that that's starting to occur. His mm -hmm. eyes are turning into Gollum-type eyes, and um, and then you've got Merry and Pippin who, are, oh god, they're being thrown here, there, and everywhere, aren't they? Um, There's one of the darkest scenes in the movie. Is that Nightball by the Rohirrim? So they're cab, you know, because that's I was start. We start off with the dream, and that's takes off. But then we've got um, Aragon, Gimli, and Legolas. They're chasing yeah. the orcs who have the, you know, I mean, all they were told by Saruman was they're halflings. Yeah, and that's all Saruman knew. He didn't go. This is Mary Pippin Frodo because he had no idea. No, um, no, exactly. And I like the fact as well that orcs are not just mindless beasts. No, no, they're not. They're an army. They're organized. Yep. Yes, that's they have a British nature, but they're not unintelligent. It would be so easy, which it really winds me up. A lot of um, a lot of fantasy movies when they've tried to portray orcs are just mindless beasts. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And they're not. But it does mean they're good because they went too far now. They're making them the anti-hero or, you know, the villain's a good guy. The good guy's a villain. Weird topsy-turvy world run. But yeah, yeah, these are not to be trifled with. They, there's a reason why they're a threat because um, you can have the biggest army in the world. But if they're mindless morons, America, you can't keep them in in, in, in line. They're no use because the minute the, the yeah. head up any sort of uh obstacle the crumble and fall yeah so you see it's the difference between conscripts and a volunteer army you know it's yeah if you have a bunch of conscripts you could have a hundred thousand it doesn't matter don't yeah. have that these are fighting or a kai they they're loyal to the white hand you know and when we talk about the next movie we'll see that played out brilliantly yeah uh but they are not just They've got purpose, and you see that purpose in driving them. Yep, and they know what they're doing. You can see that right at the end in the in the last battle. You know mm -hmm. they are they are brutal, but they are organised, and you know they they're a blooming army to far out. You know those scenes when you see them walking along, and then you you see them from high above, and you see how many there are, and it's just like. And they're all regimented and they're all in formation. You know, they're not just brutal beasts who don't know what they're doing. They actually know what they're doing. They have a plan and they're following orders, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so they are in some ways intelligent. Um, and I think that's what makes them so brilliantly creepy and terrifying is that they they are. They're so onto it, you know. I, I, they're great. They're really great. Yeah, that's that's terrible. You know, I mean, that's that's a horror element when you have a yeah. thinking um, antagonist that has purpose and in fact might have more purpose than you because yeah. it's rage and hate. Yeah, 
is overpowering. Yeah. So it hates you and it wants you gone. And if you don't have the same passion or the same resolve in the opposite direction, you're done for. Yep. And we're seeing it all through this movie that you know everyone's resolve is tested because it's just like, how can I, how can I even begin? It's hopeless, and it's you know, yeah. and the story just manages to go right every time. Hope is just at the end; it gets not you know, a little glimmer comes up because it's showing that's how heroes, you know, it's a hero's journey. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. I think storytellers have forgotten today. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. But you know, they're hanging on the precipice. I mean, oh my goodness, you know, even from Aragon going over the cliff, you know, ah. Um, don't kill off Aragon or I'm not watching the rest of this ever again. <laughs> but once again, it's you know he's not gonna get killed off because I know. But at the moment of watching this, you're like, oh god, oh shit, right. Uh, you know, because you're yeah, you're swept right. along with the story. Yep, absolutely. Yes. Bloody brilliant. Yeah. And that, that's what I mean. That's that's just classic storytelling when you're you're swept along the story and you're still engaged. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> no, he's not gonna he's not gonna change it no he wouldn't do uh but <laughs> yeah exactly brilliant um this franchise um but this movie alone has generated at least 10 percent of the world's memes you know i i stand by that you type in lord of the rings memes you type in the two towers and i mean this this was the beginning of the memes <laughs> Even from the fellowship, one does not simply walk in the mortar. This has just been yeah. <laughs> some good ones, eh? Uh, that was only a handful. I shared a couple of you in the notes. That's just a handful yeah. of them. Oh no! <laughs> My favorite one's that one with the concert. You know, uh, Eminem, Metallica, Saruman. <laughs> you know, just that, that's my favorite meme of all time. Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? It's brilliant. Yeah, memes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> But um, talking of um, this being a horror movie, bringing in an iconic horror actor like Brad Dourif, you know, yeah. there's um, he plays Worm Tongue in us. Yes. Uh, there's uh, you know, he you know he plays Chucky. Yes, uh, and exactly. He's Alien Resurrection. Um, yep. You know, he's a horror actor. He is. And bring... did he pull that off? Wow. He's a terrible, atrocious character. He truly is. Everybody hates his guts. And then they go and let him free. Oh. But that's the whole... It's the same Plot. reason Bilbo didn't kill Smeagol. It's the difference between, you know, death would be, you know, it'd be easy to fall down that rabbit hole and become vengeful. And if you do become vengeful, it takes over your life and then you become the enemy. You know, is that sort of... Yeah, yeah. No, no that's what chose the right path of course yeah but you know he's a oh wow he's he's a really he, he's a really terrible he's such a great actor but he's a real terrible character isn't he but yeah, um, that's you um, needed that didn't you you needed someone in there to push the push the envelope you know um but i don't know give some something back to the to the watcher to I don't know, like, uh, because we've got lots of kings and we've got lots of knights and all that, you needed someone that was going to 
be a full-on, just a horrible, ghastly character that everybody hates. You know, Saruman mm-hmm. was is, is a wizard that we hate, but we needed a character, you know, that was, um, and he, he played it really well. He looked great in makeup and everything. He was just fantastic-looking character. Yeah. And that's one thing with Dewey, actually, is because it's it's a theme of the book, evil taints. You know, evil cannot create, it can only replicate. Yep. You know, it's the thanks to that other horrendous abortion that was spurned out of the pit. <laughs> that that uh saying has uh become legendary now. <laughs> but everyone that's evil in this has a taint about them. Yes. Yes. You know, and we do. we talked about morality and horror. You know, we had that fantastic discussion. Yep. Horror is the perfect vehicle, actually, the self-check. Absolutely. Your own. Um, and it doesn't matter whether you're religious or not religious or what. Everyone has their own moral compass. Yeah. And you know what your actions are. You can, good guy badge, you know, virtue signal to the cows come home, but it's what you do on a day-to-day basis and you know that taint is in you yeah you can you know unless you're completely in self-denial if you don't do any retrospect you know introspection whatsoever yep. you know that taint you know when you're you take pleasure in someone's you know you're you're going on it and you have to weigh up yourself that's um mm. one thing is it worth it you know is that level of hate or worth it or justified and yep. are you only destroying yourself and his his taint is his desires because he's not a you know he, he might have been a mediocre person or he mightn't have been the you know he wanted to be classically beautiful or you know a hero but he didn't have that and he couldn't settle for being his envy you know became jealousy yeah. And that poisons what obviously lets Saruman yes. take him over, and he gladly became a puppet. Yeah, you see that's that true. you see that taint of evil on him, you know, throughout. You know, it's it's the same color palette you see. It was Sauron's yes. force as well. They have that pallor, deathly, like they've given up on life. Corpse-like, yeah, grey, pale, yeah, exactly. That dreadful, dreadful makeup <laughs> was really well done. Absolutely, uh, um, especially with um the king Sarion. Well, even him with the you yeah. know the catterized eyes and the um the white face, you know, just all those beautiful things that just made it just those, those scenes at Rohan. Um, really, really, really well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Miranda. Um, uh, what's her name? Ariel. Oh, Ariel. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Um, when we saw Wormtongue, there's one scene that Jackson did really well in this because it's easy to look at Wormtongue and go, "How is he able to do this?" Because you mm-hmm. just see this slinking, you know, creep that everyone's revolted by. Yeah. You're like, how does he have any power whatsoever? But there's a scene where um Theodred is on the the slab, you know, he's he's dying, yep. and Ellen's uh just mourning her, her brother. And uh Wormtongue comes in, and there's that moment where she was about to get swayed, where he works his magic. 
Yes, just about, eh? Just, you know, and that was the moment. That's how powerful he is. So when he he's out in the open in the light, so to speak, like in the court, people can be revulsed by him and, you know, ignore him. But if he gets you into a corner, you can quickly become his. Yep, just like that. Yeah. And I think that was really important to show. And it was so subtly done. It was, yeah, it was, right? Yeah. Well, I think we needed to see that that uh, what his desire is, and his desire obviously is mm. her. So, but he could yeah. have had her. You know, he was just that hair's breadth away from having yep. her. But if that's if that particular storyline had to play it out, but I think it was hinted because we've seen what's happened to the um, if Eowyn had to become his, she would have become a corpse as well. So what he desired. What he got wouldn't have been what he desired, so he wouldn't have had no. happiness. Exactly, right? Because <laughs> that's you know, and there's so many and that's what I'm saying. There's a message here, and you know, Tolkien was quite clear with his message of you know, good versus evil. That's you know, it's a classic storytelling. But you're not beating over the head with it. No, 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 not in the movie. I'm not too sure about the book, but no, 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 the book well Pilla gets here. See um when Frodo and Sam are going down the hill before they meet Gollum. Yep. That's three chapters of the book. Is that really? Woohoo! Wow. That's impressive. Tolkien does not rush. <laughs> no. He doesn't. No. That's, that's a bloody, you know, um, the way I've, because uh, it's, it's hard to take in all at once. It's, it's a heavy raid. Yeah. So what, I, what I've done with Lord Rings is so I can get it in my head was, first of all, you read it and you ignore the songs. Okay. Because there's a lot of songs, and songs are part of the story. Um, but if you read through and ignore the songs first, you kind of get the, the basics of the story. Because I'm not an academic, so I'm not good at sitting reading tomes and tomes and tomes and tomes. I don't learn that way. I'm, I've always been more of a vocational person, so I'm, I'm not trying to be some sort of scholar here, you know, that's not me. So I read the book first with the uh taking out the because I tried to read it first and I I, I couldn't take it in when I was a kid because I just don't have you know like I said that's not the way I take things in. Read it first, ignore the songs, then go that back and just read the songs. That makes heaps of sense. Because they tell because... each one tells their own story. And like I said, this isn't just glossing over this is Yeah, I know, right? Right. So <laughs> I read the songs only the second time, you know, as I've took a wee bit of a break, read the songs the second time and then go back and just do it, you know, do fellowship, do return, uh, two towers, do return. Don't, don't try and read it all at once. And then you can take the whole thing in because. Yeah. The message there, but there's just so, it just takes you so long to get here. And there's so much even Jackson left out <laughs> and for, you know, even for our cuts is still, Really? Like in, yeah, in the first one you never meet Tom Bombadil, for example. You know, that's a major character. Oh, right. And, yes, I've you know, there's tons characters. of stuff. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. go on YouTube and look up the difference between the books and the film. You know, you, there's hours and hours of material out there that, you know, all the bits that we're missing. And because you know, there's not enough time, you know, I mean, there's not enough bloody film in the world. Yeah, yeah. But did, um, so since, since you did that, did you, were you, at all disappointed with the the movies compared no, to the no, book? No, no, no. I thought this was um, 
Nothing missing. None. I wasn't even honestly. I wasn't expect. I'm not, not one of these people who was expecting. I don't expect a hundred percent telling of a movie to book unless it's a short story. But something like this, you're not going to get into a movie. Yeah, you have no mission because it's it becomes a documentary then. Yeah, right. Okay, you know, and I that's see. not what he did. Was he took some really complicated things and he made it palatable for the audience. Yeah. Yeah, because I, mean, I haven't read the books, but I can tell from the movies that it would have been a very complicated read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a you know, it's it's a worthwhile it's it's a worthwhile read to get off your list. Yeah. Honestly, okay. it's like uh, you know, in fact, there's not really much like it. Um, June would be the closest. Frank Herbert. Oh, I love June. June, yeah, yeah that's um, it's that yeah. sort of level. <laughs> It's that sort of level of reading. And you know June is not a small book, right? It's that level of reading. No. Seriously, I'm a really fast reader. Like I'm a really fast reader, but that took You can't read this fast. Two months to read June Mm. because of the complicated um, world building and the, you know, and and I hadn't watched the movies yet. So I watched the first, the um, 70s version. uh, Very dated. Yeah. That's... And I've still got to watch the latest one because I really, really want to, really want to see that. But that's on Netflix. So I've just got to get time mm-hmm. to do it. But, yeah, um, I watched that then... one, the David Villeneuve one, because part two's coming out next year. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, it, it was. It was decent. The the David Villeneuve was decent. Like David Lynch one will always have a place in my heart. Yeah. Because yeah, he um he brought over the chaos, knowing the chaotic element. Good. Uh, Good. Of the Harkonnens and. They weren't, you know, I mean, they were headness, but there was more to them. And the Benny Jesuit, the fact that they had a plan of their own, you know, I mean, it's plans within plans of the plans, each one. Yes. Um, like, you know, the gene, it just, uh, and there's references to like the Butler and Jihad and all, all the stuff that come for, and how humanity got to this point where, yep. yeah, the David Lynch movie was it's only a good. snapshot, but it, he managed once again to make it palatable that you'd want to go and read it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think you lost anything by the movie, and it's the same as this, but you can't yep. read you can't read Tolkien quickly. No, 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 you, no. This is it's one you have to I... you have to take your time with it. Yeah. It's a journey, I, I hear. Yeah, it's, it's a commitment. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. And that's why I said that, that's why I developed that three stage process, because um the try and just if you think you're gonna read this like a novel, you've no mission. Yeah. It's not Oh, that's good to know. I I will take that into consideration because I've got them up there and I haven't I haven't read them yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay, excellent. Yeah, mm. um, it's yeah, it's it's a commitment. You're putting aside you're putting aside some serious time and concentration because you're not just yeah you because yeah. you, you can't. It's hard work, is it? <laughs> yeah, well, it's <laughs> it's, it's worth. Work. It's worthwhile, well, but if you right. want to get if you want to get from the story, you have to you know you have to take your time with it. Yeah, because I'm a fast reader, you know, and um, uh, I find it lately I've been having trouble with concentration. It's really getting on my nerves because I've never been like us. Um, but with that, you have to you know you have to concentrate. If you don't, you miss the story bits and you miss yeah, the whole I... you know. And there's hints like back in time, and uh, I know Christopher did a. Great job trying to using Tolkien's notes 
his father's notes and you know plugging the gaps like he added the Silmarillion um the Lost Tales and God, what was the other one? he did about seven books until you know that sort of filled in the history of this because this is you know everything's leading on from a previous event or all right. it doesn't just happen people just don't turn up and it's this these movies have done their best in terms of giving you that sense of it because you know it's not just the movie's set in the here and now but to keep getting these hints of you know oh lineages and things that have gone before yes 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 there's even even managed to make like yes. in the first one he made reference to morgoth right who was sauron's master Right. So there's somebody out there that was worse than Sauron. Sauron was, you know, his. Wow, that's that's, that's intriguing. Yeah. Mm. So you've got, um, you know, that was oh. all hinted at. Yep. And uh, uh, like you said, you're excited. You're actually interested in learn more. So that's what. What else can a movie do? Unless you want it to be a documentary. So you gotta you gotta ask yeah. yourself that question. And yeah, there's a lot of yeah. armchair philosophers are like, well, you left it, you left it this bit, you know. But actually, in chapter three, first four, maybe you know, and you're like, okay, you're you obviously have a lot of fun in life. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, exactly. that's the sort of person that would put you off wanting to read. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's the person that would put you off wanting to delve more in because you're like, oh, is that who I have to talk to if I get into this? Oh, and I think if you're a fan of something, you have to have that in mind. Yeah. Are you an elitist twat? Well, yep. understand that you're whatever you're a fan of. Then, if that's you and the other fans of things, you're not gonna you're not gonna stay outside that bubble, and that's fine. If that's a, a niche fandom of whatever it might be or right. hobby that you don't want others in unless they're closely vetted, fine. Blimey. But you'll never, you'll never. Eventually, it'll die because yeah. you'll never get new blood in. It'll stagnate and it'll fall out of the way. Yep. The way you keep something alive is to make it palatable. At least get an entry point where somebody can come in, and I think these movies are a brilliant vehicle for that. Yeah. So absolutely, you can without ever having reading the books, read the books, you can enjoy these movies. Oh, exactly. Without feeling that you've missed out something. that's And that's the key. Excellent. You don't have to have read the books because everything that you yeah. need to know is laid out in yeah. front of you. And once again, back to his attention to detail, you get the feel of Gondor, you get the feel of the Rohirrim, you get the feel of the Orcs, you get the feel of the Shire. You know where you are. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yep. You know who the characters are. You know what their personality's like. You know what their mission is. You know, you know they have lineage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know the there's something story. deeper than what's just in front of you. This has not just arrived. This has come from a long line. Yep. Absolutely. Like like Gondor, you know, there's so many backs. Mm -hmm. There's a backstory there that we don't know about yet in this particular movie. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's good. So, yeah. Um, I hope that answered the question. I kind of waffled so. there, but <laughs> it was your it's question. Right. Yeah. What we usually do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's it's the best you can get in terms of interpreting because now we're seeing it done badly. So yeah, we have something to compare. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, thanks, Amazon. <laughs> $20 billion. <laughs> no, a billion, sorry, it was a billion. $20 million episode. Oh, my gosh. $20 million episode. Uh, I just can't. <laughs> some people have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, actually, you mentioned James Wan, and he would have been. I think he got the Dead Marshes scene is where someone like James Wan would have got inspiration. Like that looks like his entire Conjuring universe. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. Same color palette, the same you know, same sort of music. Just you know. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But he, he yeah. He he can't have it. He can't take it, and he can't do it as good as Peter Jackson. <laughs> no, no, I'm just having a bit. Of, like I said, just having a bit of fun because um, yeah. I do like his stuff. I, I, he, for what yeah. he does, he's you know he's a popcorn flick person. He's keeping horror. Uh, you know, he's just reminding the normies that horror's out there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that's that's cool. And so far, he's getting too much. I think he's too Hollywood. Oh, he certainly is. Um, yeah. So he, he's not going to do any better. You know, I mean, that's him. And he'll kind of fade away into the background. One day, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's great He's great for what he does. But, I um, mean, like you said, he is kind of bringing, he is kind of keeping horror in the background going on mm-hmm. um, with all these new things he keeps coming up with. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, same actors, same, you know, all that sort of thing. That's, yeah, he, he's good for what he does. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, no, one of the, that that scene, uh, the marshes. Yeah, that would have he would have loved that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of his movies. Oh yeah, that's a. a I think that's uh, if he's watched, uh, he's brand new watches, but that that would have definitely he's seen that sort of Tony gun. I like that. I want to. Yep. I want to use yep. that. I could see that being a major inspiration. Yeah. Another one, um, would seen it in the fellowship the Urakai being created. Ghastly. But Ugh. now we see the ramped up version of yeah. Saruman in full production, the creator's oh. Urakai fighting army. I that was brutal. You know what I mean? That was just absolutely brutal. And Ugh. This right. is something Tolkien himself talked about because this comes from the First World War, his experiences in the First World War. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. The industrialization of war, basically the, the countryside, you know, being ripped apart. Yeah. Churned up by these like war that. machines. And it just consumes. Mm. And that was him. Uh, Saruman was an example of the war machine. And that's why yep. he created them and the industrialization. And once again, you can read it in the book, but this Jackson really puts that into focus. And the like visual. Yep, the visual. Yeah. And you get the horror of, you know, something good being taken from the world. Yeah, right. Because it's not ethical. You know, I mean, it's not like ethical yeah. farming or, you know, drilling. He's just rip, ripping out of the ground. He's taking what he wants and. Um, like even creatures being born and they're up, they're, they're 
bread. They're they're grown and the there's nothing. There's nothing. It's almost demonic, isn't it? Mm -hmm. In nature, it's kind of demonic with all the you know the throwing the trees down and there's fire and brimstone everywhere, and then you get these hideous creatures being born in the walls, and you know they're having to break them open to get free. It's 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 got a very demonic flavour to it, mm -hmm. I think. Um, yeah, because even with the fire, you know, the furnace is going. It is like a like the exactly. pits of Hades have opened. It is right. It is exactly so. Yeah, it's dreadful, dreadful, horrible creatures. But it's, oh, it's such yeah. a great scene. But that's <laughs> um, scene. that's sure. Like it wasn't a surprise if that makes sense because we've seen it in the first. But it was a scale. Yep. That was the shocking bit in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, creepy. Yeah. Um, one bit I was disappointed um, was Fangorn Forest because it that should have been more terrifying than it was. Yeah, because in the books, no. Fangorn is an absolute bleak, terrifying place where you're not gonna if you go into it, you're not gonna survive. And I think that's the only bit in this that he kind of glossed over a bit. Yeah. Um, I, I was wondering about that as well, because, like, you see Aragorn standing there going, oh, no, they've gone into this forest. Oh, no, they're going to, you know, they're going to be, they're going to die in there because it's such a dreadful place. And um, I didn't feel that dread. I didn't feel like it was a terrifying place at all. Um, I was expecting big spiders or whatever, you know. Um, I think what the terror was supposed to be was the white wizard. Um, no, not even, because this was like... Um, the pacing was, yeah. Th this is where the, like I said, this is where it's all glossed over because the forest yeah. itself... Is meant to be just horrendous. I can't remember this. Yeah. It wasn't. It is not. Uh... Yeah, it wasn't what I expected. Um, I think. I think in the longer version. I actually think um, it is a little bit more elaborated on. I think we're in the forest a little bit mm. longer. Oh, it's Mirkweed. Sorry, I was forgetting myself. No, Fangorn isn't featured in The Hobbit. I thought there's similar forests called Mirkweed in The Hobbit. There, yeah, there is a forest. But it's not um, It's not Fangorn. Fangorn, no. uh, Mirkweed's like a baby version of Fangorn. Fangorn is meant to be an absolutely terrifying place. Yeah. I don't think you had enough time. I really do think it, in the longer version, they were in the forest longer and we get to, we felt a lot more dread before we got introduced to Gandalf the White. Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 I've got this feeling it did actually go on for a lot longer and I felt a sense of dread in the four hour long feature, but this time it was so rushed um i because i i actually didn't end up watching my box set i just ended up watching it on um mm. on um 
Netflix because I've got this habit of watching. Um, I like subtitles. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to see when the mute, you know, who's saying what. I like to see um, the whispers that you don't actually get to, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, I think they were actually in the forest a lot longer, um, but it's been cut. I think the scene's been cut because um, they're in the forest and then all of a sudden there's Gandalf. It's yeah. like, that was too fast. It was too fast. Yeah. I yeah. didn't feel the dread that they were trying to make out. No, and that's, like I said, it's only better I was disappointed in, but once yeah. again, back to my previous statement, what do you expect? You know what I mean? It's it's not a documentary. It's not like an audio book. That's right. You're, you have to sacrifice some things and that's just one of them. You know, yeah. you get the point across because uh, Fangorn Forest isn't, you know, a major player. It's meeting Treebeard and reuniting with Gandalf. That's the kind that's of right. the take of it. Yep. And we, we also got to see two different scenes um, in that forest, of course, with Mary and Pippin taking off into the forest. Mm-hmm. So we got to see how kind of terrifying it can be. And then we get to see Aragon and um, the crew go into the forest again. So I think that was probably Jackson's, you know, well, we've got two scenes here. We're really doing it for Gandalf and we're really doing it to meet Treebeard. Treebeard. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's, yeah. So I did the the one thing that I did notice. I and every time I, I it happens every time I watch this movie, uh, the, the two towers. There's the scene where Legolas is um trying to he's jumping on mounting the horse while it's running over oh, the one hand and the one hand and it's it's not done properly, is it? I mean, I can't be the only one who's noticed it. No, it's. Uh... It's his arms not done properly. Is that they they mucked it up? I I just wish they hadn't have done that. But other than that, the visuals was absolutely spot on. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Do you know that um, Orlando Bloom? He was only eighteen when he uh, joined Lord of the Rings. He had broken his back in an accident. Really? Yep. It was oh a a boating accident or. It wasn't Skyline, it was a boat accident, but he broke his back and was in the hospital and he was facing the prospect of not being able to walk again. Holy shit. And that was his like first role after, you know, obviously rehab and hospital and that there, um, straight in an accident scene. Wow. Where anyone else, you know, having something like that happen to him would be very wary. Very. But That's he not- jumped straight in, the, you know, and he does, you know, he does a lot of his own stunt work because it's an action role. Yeah, wow. And when I heard that, I'm like, fair play to him. Like, he's only a kid. Uh, he, he gets panned a lot for um, his parts of the Caribbean stuff, but at the same time, he hasn't done anything. You know, he, I like him. I, oh, he's great. He's got a fan base. Um, yeah, he's cool. Yeah, he seemed to have got a lot of hate for some reason. Um, uh, made fun of. People. And it's like, I mean, you get his backstory. In fact, the He's only like this is his first proper acting role. Yeah, he's and still I, an A-list actor, you know. Yeah. Even though, yeah, people are making fun of him. It's like, what? What's it? Yeah. Because this is his first major role, and imagine being eighteen. I remember being eighteen and fucking stupid and not clear about the world and flipping partying. And who the hell wants to make a movie when you're eighteen? You yeah. Know? <laughs> 
much better things to do than that. Go all the way across the, you know, to the bottom of the earth to, <laughs> to come and film for how many years? Oh yeah, been isolated. You know, been isolated, and most of the shots were like you had to be helicoptered in to like do the scenes. Exactly. So it wasn't right. even as if they were just sitting in Wellington, you know, partying up and going to no. the local park. Oh, they're down by the Southern Alps. Oh my goodness, they're filming in some of the most remote places in New Zealand. You know, it's incredible. Mm. Uh, Chris asks, do you think Peter Jackson would ever pull a George Lucas down the road? I hope not. Um, and fix or update these movies with a special edition? Well, he, he's done it. He's released the extended versions. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's basically he released everything. He, he put the you know you can watch a five hour cut of this. Yeah, yeah. You know, and people still buy the box sets. Um, I was watching a video earlier on a review and talking about Lucas, they call it the George R. R. Binks effect. Where when Lucas did the prequels, it's when somebody gets that powerful and renowned and up their own backside and surrounded with sycophants that people are afraid to say to him, this isn't a good idea. Yeah. So when he brought George R. R. Binks onto uh number one the phantom thingy um and it was just an absolutely horrendous character and nobody would tell him uh this isn't fitting it's really off-putting oh dear and that was that kind of it the whole thing because he he went me 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 but then look at george lucas I, people still hold him up there in a pedestal but he fell off the pedestal for me even even before the prequels because all he did was poke over the same things yeah like the original trilogy, all he did was after he made that was rehash it, add bits in, chop at the bits, add you know, and just he added new stuff from the old and it just looked really bad. And people are clapping like sales, you know, oh you're the best. Ar, ar, ar. And when you get like that, you can only go down. I think Jackson's just got a different mentality. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think he does his stuff and then he leaves it, you know. He's, he doesn't need to go back and do it all over again. He's not one of those. I don't think he's got, he does, he's got but Lucas other, changed other projects. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, he changed effects in the original totally. Yeah. No, um, when we get to The Hobbit, I think we'll get to talk about this a bit more. Don't forget, we're, we're gushing yes. right now, but we've got the three Hobbit movies to go through and that's going to be a different review. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's not different. We'll we'll get to see the sort of fall, but I think we've enough movies in between that yeah. he's maintained his integrity. Absolutely. Like don't forget, we've got King Kong, we've got the Lovely Bones. Um, yep. What else? We've got, we've got no, I mean, we've got loads in between. Like we've got this trilogy and we've got the Hobbit trilogy, but we've got all our movies in between where. Yep. Jackson has maintained his integrity as uh, oh, as what he yeah. does. So I don't see him ever... He was too close to this in terms of respecting Tolkien's work, and he was a fan. And plus you yeah. had other fans, you know what I mean? Um, Ian McKellen, Christopher Lee. Yep. Absolute uh, Tolkien Lee. fans. They, they read the book. Like Christopher Lee, he would read the book every year. That was his thing. Really? Yeah. Ian McCallum no, brought the book, that? had the book with them on set. You know, it's like a dream job. These were these were people that were fans, absolutely adored. Wow. Token. So 
the young ones just didn't didn't really know if that makes sense, and that's why they've kind of become uh, they didn't have that reverence if that makes sense. Yeah. But you had Jackson, you had Callan, you had Lee, you had a lot of people in the car. You had enough people there that loved this property and wanted yeah. to bring it to life and wanted it to be true. Um, even um, here's one that surprised me. Love Tyler. She's somebody that became like fell in love with it, you know, Elvish and her character. And oh. she's not a fantastic actor, but she's a lovely person. Yeah. If yeah. That makes sense. You know what I mean? She's not like yep. set the world on fire. Actor. No. But this, um, she got it. And I think when you have people, and I think this is what happened, you have people there that got the enthusiasm. You have the core Jackson, you've got his team. You've got Ian McCallum, you've got Christopher Lee, who adore this stuff. And when you have that passion and enthusiasm, that's infectious. Yes. And when you pick up on that passion, you're gonna wanna you're gonna want this to be good because you you see the you see it and yep. We can see the difference when we get the and I don't want to jump ahead, but when we get the others, you can see that wasn't the same passion because it was studio interference. And you can see it being dialed in, and you can see yeah. a complete different tone. Yeah. Um. But this was, it was groundbreaking. It was new. It was. We are doing this. We are going to make token on screen. We're going to make it palpable. We're going to. We're going to make people want to read the book because you can. Yeah. You can get that feeling. They're saying there's more. Go read the book. You. You yeah. just keep getting that subtle hint here of. Yeah. This is all I can show you, but there's more out there. And that's uh, back to your question about, is it a good adaptation? Yes, it is, because you want to go read the book. Yeah. And what what movie, what homage can you give to something going, you want to go and delve yeah, further yeah. into it? David Lynch did it with June. You wanted yeah. to go read the book. You wanted to find out more about this world. Because yeah. you're only getting yeah. a snapshot. Yeah. Villeneuve is pretty, but it's a wee bit um, it doesn't have the same passion. If that makes sense, okay. you, when you get to watch it, you'll. Yep. I almost want to set up another channel so we can discuss all that. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> um, that's going too. This is on the. This is still within the theme of horror, but I think I'll go down that direction and going too far, and I'll, uh, just become a completely yeah. different channel. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> somebody set up a sci-fi channel and invite us on. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so I could, you know, I mean, I could talk about this stuff for hours. That, that'd be another thing. But <laughs> Lynch's work made you want to read the book. Villeneuve, mm -hmm. if that was the only example, not so much. Yeah. But this makes you want to go read the book and find out more because all the little hints are dropped. Yep. It's a beautiful story on its own just to watch as a cinematic universe, but you want to know more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, this wasn't really, uh, if I remember rightly, the actual Battle of Helm's Deep wasn't in the books. I don't think, if I remember, it's been ages. Wow. The attack, but the, the actual battle, the way it was, wasn't in the book. This is something Jackson did. And once again, it doesn't make you, let me see. 
That was an epic battle. Wow. It was a battle of Hornburg, that's what it was. It was a different battle. Oh, okay. But it was still the rule here and riding out to meet Saruman's army. It was good, you know, the, the whole point was um Saruman was wanting to cleanse the land. Yeah. And it was just, you know, but it wasn't that exact battle, you know, Helm's Deep, the, the idea of bringing the... But it's back to this sense of desperation, because I think going... It would have taken away from Return of the King. Right, okay. If that makes sense. And also the theme of this was desperation, as I said, you know, you can just... Yep. It's palpable, it's... Everything's on a cusp, everything can just yep. go anyway. And they needed uh, somewhere for everybody to converge, right? Yeah. It's a place of safety. So, oh, okay. So they didn't have Helm's Deep. They had something else. Hornburg, yeah. Battle of Hornburg. Right. And what was the difference between? I think it was more open plain. That was more the, you know, uh, Saruman's army. You know where you got that hint of them raiding the villages and the land? Yeah. So it was the Rohirrim riding out to meet Saruman. Right. Okay. I need to read it again. It's been this has been quite a few years since I've read um, wow. Lord of the Rings. Um. Yeah, that's was that's why I always say don't quote me. I'm no no scholar or expert. I'm just a mm. fanboy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, there's hundreds, there's hundreds of YouTube videos out there, hundreds of hours worth of commentary and narration and comparison. <laughs> Oh, that you can out. get lost in if you really want to. Yeah, but no, um, Helm's, Helm's Deep. That but that was just as a storytelling epic. mechanism and as a slight departure from the story, you didn't feel like you are being cheated. That, not, not, that's, that's the whole point of this. You, you're not being cheated. That's awesome. That's awesome. That was just a oh, horrifying battle. It really was. Oh, my God. It's full on horror gore. It's serious, seriously is. But then there's those really light moments in there as well, you know, with Slim and Gimli can't see over the. Yeah. But everything's just so dark and oppressive. And then you've got. He's my favorite character in the whole series. He thinks it's several times. series, you know. Um, Nothing phases Gimli. No. Gimli is just that, you know, and dwarfs represent the earth and being grounded. Yep. Yep. And, uh, yeah, he just provides that levity. He does. Without being comical, yeah. where when we get the other ones, they went too much in the comedy direction. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, no. Those are, those are really great. Really great side, um, because that's one thing that was played up during in the actual books as well is the friendship between Gimli and Legolas. That was a you know right. I mean, that was a genuine friendship that was built up through the the books. Yeah, and that's it was good. the whole point of the elves and the dwarves being polar opposites in culture yes. and mentality. Yeah, and they didn't really get on very well, did they? Well, they as a, completely... as races, they don't. No, exactly. But um, just because they're um, you know their mindset, their outlook, and yeah completely different species and 
intentions, I guess, and culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, I, I guess if that's what was happening in the books, you can see that coming through when um, they're doing the head count of how many people they're <laughs> I've killed up on the you know that's just those light moments and tossing the dwarf I mean oh yeah, my oh. god that's that's more boundary pushing Peter Jackson you know I mean that's so I, I don't know it's so not politically correct anymore to toss a dwarf day um, <laughs> yeah, but, that's... but it worked you know we needed that because it was such a dark rainy gloomy but at the um, same time these are not human dwarves these are not people with dwarfism and this is what no don't start me because i will lose my rag about these <laughs> wet wipes of today the only see thing through current you know and it's fucking american race talk because the rest of the world have never had this crap it's these muppets who that's the only way they can see the world and they have to compare, and they can't step out of this is a fantastical creature. It's not a human. That's the whole point. They're not the race of men is a race. Dwarves are a race. Elves are a race. Orcs are a race. The Urukai are not orcs. They're a race. Goblins are a race. Each has their yep. own purpose, their own ambitions, yep. their own uh, yeah, culture, beliefs, culture, system, beliefs, everything. everything. Yeah. But of course, some dumb Southern Californian. Uh, this is. Uh, I have to see it through my postcode, and you're like, "Go away, you drip." <laughs> Go away, drip. <laughs> yeah, don't drip somewhere else. Uh, exactly. <laughs> oh, brilliant! The rest of us yeah. have managed to get on for centuries of culture and have a laugh and that's why stereotypes are born as well because that's how you that's how you bond through humor yeah that's God, always been the way is how people make look how many irish jokes are out there leprechaun <laughs> jokes and stuff you know what i mean and oh it's God. you know it's freaking hell you just you ah, don't be the stereotype maybe. There's a stereotype for a reason. You don't be the stereotype. And if you're not the stereotype and you can have a laugh at yourself, guess what? That's how we get on. Yeah. However, what this shows as well is evil is evil. Yep. There's a difference between mist and banter is how people get over each other. And what you end up here as well is like the strongest friendship, which when we do the next one, we'll see when it all comes down to it. Um, yeah. there's a particular line in the movie which I'm not going to jump ahead but there's a particular line in the movie of at the you know when all things are looking even more grim yeah and this is what it's mm-hmm. all been set up but that whole yeah I can't, I can't make the jump toss me uh, yeah are you sure you know uh, don't tell the elf <laughs> <laughs> that's bloody brilliant oh god He's so funny, Peter Jackson. He's so funny. Yeah, and that's oh, um, that's his sense God. of humor. But that's once again because you're you're watching everything just go to absolute pot, <laughs> and it's the end. And the fact is that these are not they're bred for one purpose. That's to wipe out everybody. Yep. Mm-hmm. And there was a scene as well with um, another one with Saruman and Wormtongue. 
how does that you know the how does this big ball you know because he invented gunpowder and he's going over the candle and oh, Chris just you know nobody else could act like that uh, they would have to if it was done today it would have to be explained don't put the candle there because it'll blow you know but that's subtle like, yes and the, yes you're right seeing the fear and sort of oh shit no yes oh storytellers can't do that today. No, you have to bang somebody on the head 10 times for them to get it, you know, or you have to explain something till it's so drawn out. Explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old, you know, and it's like, well, that's not the whole point. You know, subtext is very important in writing as well as in, re you know, as well as in watching movies, you know, especially for something so huge and epic as this. I mean, mm -hmm. Well, it all starts with writing. It does, of course, it does. It starts with the yeah. storyboard. It starts with the script before anything else. And I've, yep. if you've seen my, you know, what I mean, you've been with me for how many reviews now? Who's <laughs> lost count? I've always hammered the point. It doesn't matter. All the special effects of the day, all the A-list actors, all the pretty people, all the beautiful locations means nothing if you don't have that script. If you don't have the basics of storytelling, which is your series, you're starting on your channel of explaining what each part of a story is yes. you know these are things you have to get on board if you're going to write yes. because if you don't understand it then you're not going to write a story honestly you're not no you're just going to end up writing a shambles that no one's going to want to read check my first book out if you want an example of that <laughs> oh it is i i have no it is but uh, do you know what i've left it up ours because no point you know i mean i've created it I got over my first hurdle, but it's a shambles. It's an example of bad writing because it is all over the place and I rush it towards the end, you know, and I made all the mistakes. Oh. But okay. my second book is much, you know, I learned from the first one, the second one. It, that, that's, that's what the point is. You learn from it, right? I took the ideas of pacing and went, oh, right, okay. Got it now. And now I'm afraid to do the third book because I'm so critical and I'm doing this and I've, I've got this, like, bar so high now yeah. of don't be that person <laughs> you almost talk yourself out of it it's freaking oh god blimey but uh yeah. no just that simple hand gesture and a look you know he knows what he's trying to explain on paper he translates on yeah. the screen today i would be explaining like it would take five minutes to explain oh don't put the candle there because it's going to blow up where you got that like yeah a look and a hand gesture what was yep. going to happen it's just like when you're writing a short story you know you've got so it's constrained you're constricted to three thousand words and if you had to elaborate on every single thing you did you'd end up having a seven thousand word um story you know that you have to cull four thousand words to get back to the mm -hmm. to the word count it's just like yeah so there's lots of ingenious things going on with the writing in this in in the whole trilogy actually you know i mean i know he's not the only writer i know fran and there's a couple of other people there as well who yeah. help write it but if you don't have a writer good luck with your movie mm -hmm. because it's going to be shit. and um, i've seen examples um we've uh, had about 10 years worth of examples at this point <laughs> exactly right you have a good, you've got a director, but you've got no writer. Okay, That's well, the who the writing? <laughs> they don't even hire directors anymore. They cast them. They cast them. They cast directors. 
like an actor to check a box and the stuff's already pre it's like becoming a manager of a fast food chain yes you're it's the difference between being a head chef in a restaurant and a fast food chain manager yeah you're not creating anything you're just opening no. the box and making sure the production line of whatever and i mean the latest recipe is that one squirt of this bag one squ two handfuls of that bag wrap it in this or put it in that in the particular colored box of what the theme is this time shove it out there yeah where a restaurateur is you're making your menu your menu is what sells your restaurant and it's yep. the same principle as this if yep. you're a franchise manager now which is basically what it's become you're just cast because you look the part and you're just another yep. actor you're not really creating no. Where this was back in the day, and it's bad saying this, but back in the days of creation, because this is still a creative effort, even though there's a, a template there off the book. Yes, yes. If you tried to go word for word, this would be a 10-hour movie. Each one would be yes. a 10-hour movie, and it'd be boring because it wouldn't translate well. What what you know yourself, what you read and what different forms of medium, what you take in gives you is a different experience. Absolutely. Yep. book you're reading a chapter you're setting it down you're going to do other things you're coming back to it, you're reading another chapter or two chapters yep. you're setting it down go back a movie you want that there by the time you walk out you you don't want to be asking more questions and what's answered yep. in front of you yeah you don't want to lose you know have loose ends hanging off and you know what plot didn't work out you know and i see a lot of that coming through in the movies now oh yeah know, that's like barely watching but Peter Jackson's efficiency, which we've seen, his efficiency of storytelling really comes through. Oh, absolutely. And every single damn movie he does, you mm -hmm. know. Um, he's the writer and the director, you know. That's just what he does because he does it so well. He's got that vision, you know, that he couldn't. Oh, I don't know. It just um, He's just a brilliant writer as well, you know. Even though, like you said, the template was there with Tolkien's um, books, but somebody has to do the storyboard and someone has to write up all the dialogue and you know and well not make it wooden so not just make it a you know a wooden carbon copy yeah. you yeah. come here to experience something and also you don't want to have had to rely on reading the book to watch the movies that has to be your own thing which is what this achieves yeah exactly and definitely yeah. talking got more writers or readers after this Oh, I bet he did. New fans, people discovering him for the first time. Yeah. And actually come yeah. back into it's the same as Rowling. Rowling got people to read books again. Yeah. People were, you know, there was a, this thing of people not reading. And I think we're going back to that now, which is a bit sad. Yeah. But Jackson inspired people to read, which is cool. Not just watch movies, but actually go and read and oh, I want to see what this is all about. And got people to and not just short books, but long form content. Yeah. There's people that maybe would never have picked the book up or never tried. Yeah. Uh, I think we probably sold out of the books over here <laughs> after the movies. Everybody was running out grabbing all the Tolkien books. Oh, you yeah, because, you know, you want to find out where did this all come from. Yeah, exactly. And that's when you know you've done a good job. Um, and that's when you know you've honoured the material. Yes, and that's the other thing is to keep the integrity of the story, you know, of the whole entire, can encapsulate the whole entire story and you know he did it in three movies wow mm -hmm. brilliant you know and they're only three hours long i mean i say only i would never usually 
watch a three hour long movie, but it doesn't feel like it's three hours, does it? I don't know, because you're you're on board. No, and when it comes to the end, it's like, oh God, I want to watch the next one, but no, I won't because then it'll just stuff up my review. <laughs> stuff up my review. <laughs> yep. They'll get it all fixed up. That's where you go, <laughs> that's where you go and put the special features on. Yeah, or go and watch some, yeah. Exactly. Go watch the special features and interviews. So yeah. Or the doco or something about it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but also in between, because it's easy to get drawn into the whole land of Helm's Seat, but don't forget, Frodo and Sam's journey is still going. Exactly. And uh, you, you're starting to see um, Sean. <laughs> you're starting to see um, Sam, Blimmin', um, oh. He's changing as well, you know. They're both changing. Both Frodo and Sam are changing. Like he's becoming a bit more suspicious. And then we see what happens in the next movie, you mm -hmm. know, between Sam and Frodo. And yeah, yeah, they, they have their own journey going on. Um, we we'll also get a bit of a redemption arc as well. Yep. Because Frodo is actually for the first time in Gollum's life, he remembers his old person of Smeagol. I know, and that's a that's a real tragic tale because wasn't technically it wasn't his fault. I know it's five hundred years of being this horrible, ghastly creature. You know the poor thing, and then um, but but then you know you get oh Peter Jackson, my God, that the internal battle between Gollum and um Smeagol. Isn't that just? I remember the first time I saw that, it was like, holy shit, that was amazing. That internal I think, battle. I actually heard laughing, laughter in the Because this is, think about it, this is so heavy. Yeah. This is a heavy entry into the the trilogy. It's yep. so dark and oppressive. So having something like that, even though it's a dark thing, of, you know, but the first the argument between them and when Smeagol wins. <laughs> You're just, yeah. it lights you up and it's all done in dark. It wasn't as if it's like bright, bright sun, it's all done in darkness and the thing. And but you get that, you know, of him yeah. stepping into the daylight again and almost becoming free of the burden. Yes, I know. Brilliant. He's just, there was such a, the, 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 the argument between the two of them was brilliant. It was just, it's like a real bipolar moment, you know. Um, it had me cracking up. It really did. I mean, yeah. But here's okay. the example. Yeah. He's been the longest with the ring. Because at this point, it, I think he's actually been longer with the ring than Sauron. Um, I think so, yeah. Uh, actually, yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah Gollum has actually had the ring longer than its maker. Yep. And look what happened. And this yeah. is the manifestation. Gollum is the ring. The, yeah. I think people, uh, well, we do see it, but... It's always something to keep in the back of your mind. The ring has its own personality. It's actually sentient. Yes, that's right. Look what it does. It's a. It's it's like it's alive. It is. It's yeah. a sentient. It's actually sentient magic. It's actually. It is actually alive. Yes, it is. It is. It's, it's an like animate a... object that's come to life. Basically, it's got a life of its own. It's got people after it. It's got. It belongs to somebody else. Yeah, it destroys people who who have it. Everybody wants it because it's so powerful. But it belongs mm. to Sauron, and that's the only master it'll ever have. Yep. You become a tool of the ring, and Gollum is 
500 years of the ring. This is the ring. This is the ring's personality. Yes. And the only reason the ring was able to do that was because it lost its master. Yeah. But it was always waiting, so it didn't give up. No. Isn't that just magical after so many years? Yeah. Oh, God. And then Bilbo had it for 60 years. And look what happened to Bilbo. Remember what's in the... Fellowship of the Ring. We've seen yeah. the transformation. We're seeing it happen to Frodo. Yes, very slightly, but it's very, very, um, it's very slight. But you can see it, eh? If you but he really keeps getting pulled to... back every time he he's going down that. Sam brings him back. Sam's a big yeah. light in this. Yes, he is. He is. And then even Smeagol becomes a big of light because yes. And this is where Sam, you know, Sam almost falls. Because everyone almost falls in this, because it's everyone's right in the precipice. Because Sam and Smeagol have a bond that he could never understand. Yeah, because they've mm. both been they've both been tainted by this thing. Yes, yeah, exactly. And that's where he feels about Peter because he's just he's he's like a watcher, you know. And yeah, yeah, they've been together up to this point, and now he's feeling pushed out because he's. He doesn't understand what this thing is, and no. it's good that he doesn't because yeah, yeah. But we see what happens in the next. We do, and that's uh, yeah, that's going to be a, a brilliant review. I'm looking forward to that because that's just going to be because it, it could have been so easy to have this all tied up neatly, but it doesn't. Because no. uh, this could have just been it, you know. All the dark stuff now it's just oh fluffy everything falls in place but no we're this is a long journey yes it is and then we meet what um uh captain of gondor what's Boromir's brother's uh, name oh my Faramir. god I forgot. oh god how do you say Faramir 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 yeah god I'm, I'm terrible with names <laughs> Yeah, no, I, those names are a bit hard to keep up with you yeah know? <laughs> but we meet we meet Faramir and he was almost about to go down and see him rude as his brother. He was, wasn't he? Very close. Yeah. But Glad one thing that got me, um, it seemed a bit, but how news travels, like, you would think in this world, because it's medieval, that news wouldn't be able to travel as fast as it did. Mm-hmm. Or at all. Yet, or at all, yeah. Like, Boromir should have disappeared. Like when he was cast off, but somehow the word got through that they found a way. But we didn't need that explained. If that makes sense, because it would, you know, I would take an hour to understand how news travels. Yeah. But there's obviously yeah. mechanisms within the world to get notes or messages passed, and I think they do pass through some civilizations, not all out in the sticks. Yeah. So there's ways, but we don't need to be burdened down with that. But the fact is, news does travel. Of Barber's yes. death because it would have to because he's a he wasn't just a random person he was a significant member of the House of yeah. Gondor of the, the Stuarts yeah so uh, he was effectively an earl or a baron yeah in terms yeah, so exactly. he wasn't exactly just a peasant if that makes sense so of course no. someone like his passing is going to be you know it's yeah. going to have to be told or passed on in some way yeah interesting yeah. I wonder how. I mean, I mean, it doesn't really matter how, but I guess the pacing was pretty well done, quite well. Mm-hmm. 
Um, because I wondered about... Would there be enough time? Because these aren't just getting the pisses in five minutes either. These are long journeys they're all on. Yeah, these are days and days. You Months know, I'll be and... five days, you mm -hmm. know, at the crack of dawn. Um, five days is quite a, you know, maybe in our time it's slow, but over there it might be, you know, five days is mm -hmm. a different time, I suppose. But the um, thing that got me was... Um, in the forest when they were going on about, um, oh, you don't want to be, you know, anywhere near the white wizard or whatever. And it's like, well, how did they know about the white wizard? But then um, he explains, doesn't he, that it's been, it, it's a year has passed. So all these people from all these other towns are going on about um, the Falklorn, uh, what's it called? Fangorn. Yep. Fogging Forest. Um, I was I was sitting there wondering, well, if if Gandalf has just died, how are they so scared of this white wizard who's supposed to be Gandalf the White? But then it was kind of explained in it. Um, he explained that, um, and the narrator explained that it was um, a year has passed, mm -hmm. sort of thing. So I guess you know, in those times, things were delivered on yeah there's a, there's a mechanism so there's a mechanism yes but then, that we don't get to see yes but it doesn't matter does it because no. the pace sort of and this is the modern movie problem because they would actually spend time yes that's the bit they would focus on a, yeah. a letter being handed to the steward of honor that's what they would actually waste time on that absolutely they would waste 45 minutes or something stupid on that yep. than on getting on the story. Through. Yep, yep, exactly. That's mm. one, um, Interesting. I always like the trope, uh, sorry, Chris, I always like the trope that humans are more susceptible to temptation, including the ring, because of their shorter lifespan compared to the other races. Well, this conversation happens as well with um, Arwen and uh, Elrond. Yes. Um, One of the most... Uh, heartbreaking lines in the movie and even though it's an elvish but still um do i not have your love also mm, because yeah. elrond has mm. come you know i mean elrond comes across as like really stern and cold yes but it's not he's breaking his heart because he's going to lose Blindly, his daughter we actually get to see him break down well not break down we actually see him comfort her yeah but and he's that was a resolution for me because, you know, he's been so standoffish and so, you know, he he's almost like telling her what to do and then she breaks down sort of thing and then he's like, oh, well, do you not love me too, you know, and it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> but this is, um, I think Chris brings it up, it's a lifespan thing. And we see it with the ants too because they're even longer lived than the elves. Yes. With humans... We're only we're not even on the earth for a hundred years. Now the Numenorians are longer lived, so even Aragon, he could live to two hundred years old. It's not yeah. it's not a human lifespan of a hundred years. He the Numenorians of his line are actually longer lived, so he could potentially live to two, three hundred years. But that's yeah. still nothing in the lifespan yeah. of an elf. So when elves are having conversations, it's going to be at a slower pace because it's a, you know, I mean, 
they they could spend a hundred years having this debate. Yeah. Discussion because they've got the time. Yep. We're also has to be immediate because we're that fleeting, but then when we go to Return of the King, this'll come up again. Yep. But then we'll go to the Ents and they're having their they're spending hours having a conversation of whether or not the two halflings are orcs or not. <laughs> I know right. But it's comical, but it's also this is um this is Jackson's storytelling again because he in their scheme of things they've been having a conversation for a thousand years. Like I said, they've yeah, seen what? wars, they've seen this is all a blink in the eye to them in their scheme. So this conversation of those two things, they they would by the time they actually if they were to have a proper debate, the two halflings would be gone as in their lifespan ended. Yeah. Because and they'd be maybe wondering about oh maybe they weren't dorks and then they would you know I mean the world will have passed by and it's the same with the L you know I mean it's done so brilliantly of the efficiency of storytelling because Elrond's face for the first time of actually losing his daughter because this was never a concept yes so he's been racking almost with grief trying to the concept of it's like uh, it mightn't be a Actually, I think it is a good comparison. Somebody find out somebody you love has a terminal illness. Yep. So you've got all this expected time, and then all of a sudden that is cut short by her yep. giving the gift of her eternal life to Aragon. It's like all of a sudden he's faced with his daughter now having a terminal illness. Yeah. And he's having to internalize that grief. Yeah. Yeah. You can see his battle. You can see his internal battle. Yeah, and that's once again efficiency of storytelling because on top of everything else that's going on, she's not going to travel to the Undying Lands. No. And they have to go, you know, I mean, it's just their, you know, it's written, it's their time to go. Yeah. They're no longer this earth. Their time's no. finished here. Um, and he is now faced with a prospect that he's going to lose his daughter before, and no parents should have to bury their child. You know, it's that trope again. Yeah. But he's not even yep. going to get the barrier because she's going to drift on. She, yes, her life will end, but it's still much longer than a human life. Even her giving up her mortal life is still going to be much longer than yeah the span exactly. of Argon's. And Argon is a Numenorean descent. He's even longer lived than a normal human. So even, you know, we're getting a scale of time. Yep, we are. Um, especially with the scene where, um, you know, Aragon dies and he's on the on the slab and mm. you know in the morgue and whatever and entombed and yeah it's like wow you know she's still alive and well and still looks the same and he's you know he's decomposing mm -hmm. and he's he's yeah the timelines are really awesome yeah and this is all you see it though yeah, yeah that's what i mean and it's efficiency of storytelling because all our concept is brought in three different perspectives but you're not beating over the head. It's not explained. It's not spelled yes. out. No. It's done through the storytelling, so you can take that on board. Like, that's clever. Yeah, it is. It's brilliant, isn't it? Well, considering he's got all these different species or different spe species to mm -hmm. navigate, you know, he's jugg juggling them around and everything, and he's he's pulled it off. And he doesn't have 20 hours worth of a movie to tell it in? No. He doesn't. So, <laughs> what can you do? But yeah, 
Um, yeah, but the, we've got the whole thing with Treebeard and oh, we'll see Sam and Pippin come into their own because they'd lost their spark for a moment. Yes. They were falling yes. into despair. Yeah. Yeah, we we'll yeah. see them grow. You know, I mean, we we'll see them grow because it's um, where they're having the, as the Pippin says, yeah, you don't understand because it's um, uh, Mary is saying, no, let's just go back to the share. Let's forget yep. all this. And Pippin's like, but there'll be no share. There'll be no share. This will not stop. Yeah, it'll reach them. Mm-hmm. And that's these two coming to that realisation of we can't just live in a bubble. Yeah. You have to take part. You know, uh, it's back to the oldest saying, the best thing for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. That's right. You know, that's it's back to that old, you know, morality tale. Yep. <laughs> horror absolutely. a horror morality tale of yeah, if you just stand back, well, guess what? It's gonna to come to your door eventually. Sooner or later. That's right. And you had a choice to help out or run away and mm-hmm. you ran away or you helped out, you know. And I think it's fabulous because those two characters are eggheads the whole way through it, you know, and then they're put in this position where they have to make a decision and they, you know, they they wouldn't need tree bear to blimmin' help you know and there's these two little halflings you know yep. just being tied up and bound and all sorts of which things could have broke would break anybody you know let's be exactly. honest because they're very very light-hearted characters and um they had the potential at, at every turn in this movie they could have been killed mm-hmm. you know but they persevered that shows I don't know their own personality or the personality of a hobbit. You yeah, know? Their, their own grit. You know, it's yes, yes. We have an idyllic life where, but when push comes to shove, we'll step up, and that's and they you know, did. That's right. a hero's journey. Yeah, it's right back to the basics of you know storytelling. It's right back to the basics of you know you don't you can adapt, you don't have to be a hobbit to identify with one. Yeah, you mm. you can feel overwhelmed by the world, but it's up to you to stand up and. If you know something's wrong, like I've talked about movie making, I've talked about this current culture, I do my own bit without being antagonistic, I hope, to push back against it because I see it being wrong. I don't see it leading anywhere good. I don't see people getting along better because of this current trend. No. Uh, You actually see people become more divided because of the way people get on. And if you don't stand up and say it, how are you going to get people on board? Yeah. How are you going to stop it? You know, we've all got... when you see something fundamentally wrong and you know in the core yourself, it's not a good thing. You have a choice to either just let it happen. Oh yeah, I want an easy life or you do your bit. And it doesn't always mean picking up a broadsword and going and hacking. There's different ways. And we see yeah. Marion Pippin, they use their mischievous nature. Yes, they do. They use their strengths. So yeah, they're not, warriors are not going to go and charge although they do try but they're not going to successfully charge a fighting band of hurricane and win no. so no. what can they do they can persuade they can they know how to play tricks so yep. they, they use that to their advantage exactly yeah exactly. and then that's how the tide turns you know they bring the ants into the war it does quite quickly mm-hmm. doesn't it from them saying no 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 we, you know we're not going to help you to well we have to help you now <laughs> yeah. let me yeah, show you what like... you know same as uh pippin comes to the realization sorry if i mix the two of them up but you know 
comes a realization that we can't go back to the shower because it'll be no shower. Yeah. If we don't do something, so they have to by having that realization to bring that realization to Treebeard, a yeah. creature that is millennium years older and wiser and long lived. They're just an insignificant speck in his lifespan. Yeah. Yet they're able to influence him. Yeah. After a decision's been made. Yeah. Yeah. So you can always do something to, you know, never feel Doesn't overwhelmed. You are right. Your hmm? little voice can become a major voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 There's so many, you know, uh, there's so many positive. Me- this is a dark, dark story, but there's so many positive messages for your own life you can oh, take from this. And you can apply it. And that's good storytelling. A good story can, it's inspirational. Yeah, if it makes you think, you know you've got a good movie. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, that's um, obviously the epic battle, because we jumped a bit, but the epic battle of the, the finishing of Helm's Deep, everyone's about to give up, but it's even Gandalf, he's going to find um, Aemir. And, yep. you know, the the cast grow heron, you know, bring him together. That was his, what he's going to do. Um he doesn't spell out again. He just says in the the on the dawn of the fifth day, look to the east. Yep. Um, Brilliant. We didn't have to be explained what his plan was. He just, you know, trust. It's all about that trust. Trust me. Trust you. We're yep. right the breath, and then right at the last minute, they're about to give up. The thing's all those like, no, just do the crazy thing. They're not going to expect and ride out. Yes. Exactly. Brilliant. Um, eh? That was unexpected, you know, when you first watch it the first time. Mm-hmm. That was a very unexpected move. So um, Because Theodore was about to give up. Yeah. Theodore was a breaking point. Why. Yeah. And his anger at being a puppet of Saruman without, you know, trapped. Yeah. He had to get over that because he realised if he, he just lets that rule him, he'll, he'll destroy his people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. I mean, that's even seeing the children, you know, having to fight. I mean, that was mm-hmm. that was a, that is very sad to have have that happen. Um, but I think Peter Jackson managed that really well without making it um, about, you know, we didn't see any children fighting as in such. We didn't see any children getting killed. No, but just as, just them putting on the arbor, you know, and the, the enough fitting and the, the mean. fear in their faces. Yep. He didn't need to elaborate no. on that. We just knew, right? Yeah, we so. knew that was every possibility. Um, Another thing he yeah. did well, and I know, and I know Jennifer Lawrence did it first, so, but funny enough, we'll have a, a, a strong independent woman character here. A shield maiden of Rohan. Yes. But I didn't think those things existed until Jennifer Lawrence showed all women the way. Am I am I getting mixed up? Or did I read this wrong? Or is that just my misogyny, you know, <laughs> having a, a woman fetish of a strong woman? <laughs> or was Eowyn a strong female character? And I mean, actually a legitimate one? Well, I think she was, wasn't she? I mean, wow, she was just um, no. I want to, I want to fight too. Why can't I fight? You know. Um. It's why? Because brilliant. when I'm dead, you need to lead our Lauren. people. Yeah. And exactly. you need to rebuild our civilization. It wasn't you need to be in the kitchen having babies. Yeah. And even the exactly. scene between her and Aragon, you know, 
he didn't go, oh, you're a woman. He said, oh, you're a shield maiden. You're a shield maiden of Rohan. Yeah, a shield maiden. There was no disparity there, or is that just me projecting? You know, my misogynistic patriarchal <laughs> guilt on there, or was she an actual? You are not. <laughs> you are not. <laughs> no, but do you know what I'm saying? They're saying today that these characters did not exist until some dipshit who knows nothing about life played some crappy character that was a par you know I mean a copy of somebody else who did it better. Yeah, exactly. Nah, I don't know. But there's a there's a legit uh you know leader. Yeah. And the bit was she was told lead our people to safety. It wasn't you can't fight because she's already demonstrated she can't like no, we're probably yeah. going to die. You need to rebuild our society. Yeah. It's on you. And it, it's always, you know, that's always the same lineage. Yes. You're, you protect your children and you protect the the woman, you know, because no, they're but, going to and be the, the sons as well. And that, you, the people, what's the point being an army if you don't have a people? Yeah. And if you don't have a people, well, guess no. what? You could be the army, come back to no civilization. Well, you've lost. Mm hmm. Exactly. And that was, I thought that was brought together really well. And, you know, it was. Did anybody was. think, I, I thought it, you know, and even in the books, she's brought across like that. No, she's a brilliant character. Yeah, she's a great character. Yeah. Um, she's falling for Aragorn, of course. But... Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he was, and I'm glad they didn't do a love triangle. That would have ruined everything. Like, um, where do we yes. talk about, where do we get to the Hobbit? Uh, <clears throat> the worst thing ever in any the worst trope of any movie is a love triangle that is uh, young adult teeny bopper nonsense teenage stuff yeah and I think it's even like... teenagers don't like it you know it's just oh the it's mediocre writer oh here's what teenagers like have a love triangle but it wasn't yeah. it was she became infatuated he was flattered, but you know, he still wears uh Ellen's necklace. Yep. That's his true love and yep. never change. Yes, because it potentially could have become some sort of triangle, you know, they had the potential for it to be there. I and I'm it glad cheapened that, everything. Yeah, I'm glad he didn't go down that route. I mean, it was bad enough that she was infatuated with him anyway. I mean, well, I mean bad, you know what I mean? Um, who wouldn't be? Yeah, but that was <laughs> so, the thing. It was um, the mistake they made with us was the name that was Aragon. He doesn't get named. He was Strider up until Return of the King. In the book? Yes. Right. Because I, I was wondering that because I thought Aragon <clears throat> was his right. Yes, title. but that was never brought up. It was. Yeah. It's only it's my only problem with the trilogy is he's named as Aragon and everyone knows him as Aragon too early. Too early because there's a scene which we don't get in the Return of the King, um, where he's going around healing people and he's <clears throat> he knows the song of Gondor of Numenor, and even the white tree, the symbol, we don't see. Now, I can understand he's, uh, it would have to make a completely new set because we see Gondorian armor, but the white tree isn't revealed. Wow. That's a whole thing, which is, but we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. It's the only bit where I'm disappointed. He right. jumped the gun a bit. 
was Aragon being named because we didn't he was always Strider, but it's these scenes of showing his leadership. They, is they where it starts to get the hint that he's you know he is the the one tree king. He's oh, Elsa doors are you know it's um it was left, but it, it unfortunately it was brought to forward like, into the forward, movie. Yeah. yeah, um, and that was to show, I guess. I think it was just to make it palatable for audiences because it would be. Yeah. We've seen Isildur at the beginning, and it's you know it's once again it's you can't condense these books; it's impossible. Yeah. Um, to do it, I would you would never get it right. A hundred people could try and never get it right, hundred percent right. Yeah. That's why this is what Jackson's done the best he absolutely could, and I think it's a, the best you can do with this. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Oh. Hands down, everyone will have their gripe, you know. Everyone still has their bit of niggly points, and like I said, it's I can forgive a lot of things and things needed out, but it's just I didn't like the way it was revealed from the very beginning because that was a good, it's a good story beat, yeah. But, um, obviously, like Peter Jackson always does, he's had got an intention behind it, and um, yeah, like you said, yeah, well, it's the efficiency of storytelling because that's you know, yep, that would have to be a whole set of dialogue brought in. And it, yeah, would, exactly. it would derail from you know these three already very long movies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you're condensing yeah. movies down to three hours. Yeah, you do have to make some sacrifices. <laughs> and, when the, and when the special editions are still four or five hours each, and you still feel like you want more. Exactly right. <laughs> Excellent. Uh. I haven't read the books in years. What do you think of the biggest omission from the novels that you'd like to have seen in the movies? I mean, like I said, I was sort of hinting at it there, but it's I'll save that for Return of the King. Because that's where... Yeah. There's stuff. Wow. But yeah, that's... Um, There's a fantastic entry into the series. Still bloody watchable. Um, It's a horror movie. Oh, it's a horror movie. It's, is it... It's not even labelled as a horror movie. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but it is. It's... But it is. But my children can watch it. Mm -hmm. Yep, they love it. They watch The Hobbit. Yep, absolutely. They, you know, it's it's horror horrific, but it's also very very awesome. You know, for a family for a family movie as well. So I think um, that's the thing about it. But that's the beauty of the genre. It's all different yep. levels, different intensities. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's actually a word I've been trying to put, the intensity of the horror. So you yes. have different intensities of horror, but it's still horror. Yes. And you can have a yes. low intensity, which, you know, that's your goosebumps, that's your tales from the crypt. Yep. Um, that's your universal monsters. You know, yep. they're they're low, they be considered low intensity now, but at the time, obviously, they weren't. And then you just you can up the intensity of the horror, you know, and that's where your more adult audiences come in. And that's why I can stay with you from a young age right the way up, because can the genre can evolve and grow yeah. with you as your tastes evolve. Which yeah, that's what we want. Where kids movie will always be a kids movie. Yeah, you know, it's something you can watch as a kid. Then you go back to you go, oh right, you know, because that's you you evolve beyond it. Yeah, absolutely. 
Mm, yes, you're right. There are different different intensity levels when it comes to horror. Yeah. Yep. But um, there you go. Any final thoughts on this one? Oh, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, it's definitely in the um, it's definitely more hor horrific than the first one. Um, but I'm looking forward to the doing a review on the next one, Return of the King. I have to say that's my favourite one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking I that. think that's one because of the you know, like I said, the the urgency and the all the world building still going on, and that that's this is my uh, the second act. It's it's hard because it's all viewed as one story, you know. And you, it is right. We're yeah, exactly. we're splitting them apart for the purpose of reviews. But let's be honest, we never watch just one movie. You normally it's you you stick the first one on and you go right to the end. Oh yeah, you know, that's, <laughs> that's the only way. You, you, you yeah. set a day when you're watching Lord of the Rings. You set a day aside. You know it's you're not coming yep. out until the the final credits. The next day. <laughs> <laughs> And I actually enjoyed, loved watching the, I, I, I don't usually do it, but I, I love watching the credits on, on these, this trilogy. It's just awesome just seeing so many New Zealanders coming together and helping out and Australians there as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the A-listers and yeah, it's a fantastic, fantastic trilogy. Yeah, it was just a, right just a magical there. thing that happened. Um, But yes, our next starting will be Return of the King and, uh, yeah, it's going to be amazing. Uh, just uh, so many things come together, but you're still you're still on the edge of your seat right there last minute, and that's going to be um, great to go through. Yes, well, and I there's... can tell you, the fellowship made me cry again. <laughs> this one, I didn't have shed a tear at all because it was complete horror, and I know what's going to happen with the next one. So <laughs> yeah, um, there's and there's still plenty of there's still plenty of horror. Plenty of horror. Yeah, it doesn't go away, yep, honestly. Yep. <laughs> but there you go. Dale, as always, pleasure to have you on. Um, make sure yes. you check out Dale's channel. Dale's now starting her own video series, um, giving writing tips. Uh little short birds, just covering terminology and things that uh, you might not think about, you need to know, but very useful. So looking forward to seeing that series. Uh, you, you really start yes. to get on board with it and looking forward to seeing yep. that grow. But we will be back again and uh, we'll be covering this one. So, as always, keep up with the channel, do the tippy clicky things. I'll tell you next time, keep it creepy, keep it horrific. <laughs>